It's always showtime at BetMGM Sports. You can make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000 when you sign up with the code SHERDOG. Don't let another game day go by without having the ultimate sports betting app in the palm of your hand. Discover non-stop excitement with BetMGM's state-of-the-art technology and dozens of betting options, including live wagers, props, parlays, and much more. No matter what your favorite sport is or how you like to wager, find out why there's nothing like getting a W at the King of Sportsbooks. Use the code SHERDOG and make your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Arizona, Colorado, Washington, D.C., Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, New Jersey, Nevada, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, or Wyoming only. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire in seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, Washington, D.C., Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, and Virginia. Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help uh, in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Tennessee, call the red line at 800-889-9789. In Mississippi, call 1-888-777-9696. Sports betting is void where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of The Sheehan Show. Me, Sean Sheehan, here on Sherdog.com. And today I am joined by fellow MMA media member Harry Powell all the way over there in London but via Wales uh, to, uh, to talk about John Jones and to... Uh, you know, kind of update the situation and how we feel, I suppose, in John Jones. We actually did a similar one, Harry, around Christmas, and we were talking about Jones and we were talking about, you know, where he might go and what he might do. But I think a lot has changed since then, obviously, with the Steve matchup. Uh, and we want to look at it from another angle. The first angle I want to look at it from, Harry, and I very appreciate uh, you joining me today, is, is maybe the technical side and how John Jones's game has changed. And I know you just started your new podcast over in Severe May One Man Boot, where you look at, like, the technical aspects of. Uh, uh, of fighters and you know the the episode is already out from last week with Carla versus uh versus Rose the 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 uh the premonition of that fight I suppose if you want to say it like that so no better man to talk about the technical aspects of John Jones and you know we can we'll, we'll talk about the drama we'll talk about the matchmaking we'll talk about what he's going to do the change in camps and everything like that in in a second but I want to talk about that technical aspects of John Jones because I, I spoke to, I was on the, the podcast with uh, John Anik and Kenny Florian there a week ago and uh I kind of mentioned kind of loosely, and it's just something I have said before, and I think you have said it before as well. When you look at, say, the judging side of the game, John Jones's game today isn't as effective as it once was in terms of the judging. And I think, you know, the it's funny enough, but the, the way, like, the judging judges now is actually kind of correlated to how the game has gone in terms of landing big effective shots we saw you know with Cheeto Vera versus uh Rob Font in a very very open obvious way 
what is what are your thoughts first of all we'll forget about the effectiveness of the second but we will talk about the effectiveness of john jones game but john jones's game overall you know everyone calls him the greatest of all time what, what are your thoughts on you know go as long as you want here the ground game the overall game the striking game of john jones so i'm definitely not going to get into a conversation about the greatest of all time because i think it's fucking arduous yeah, um john jones's game however before the 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 if we take judging out of it completely yes. right in a mma fight whereby you're looking at skill for skill somebody being able to land and either not get hit back or not get taken down or not be out grappled or not be submitted john jones's game is about as close to perfect as you could probably get right now we must talk about john jones uh skill for skill at light heavyweight. We've never seen him in a heavyweight fight in the UFC. So we don't really know. We also don't know what his skills are going to look like when he comes back. Is he going to be better? Is he in that training uh, training camp with Henry Cejudo? Is he going to have learned more skills? Is he going to have learned less? Is he going to have let go of some stuff? Is he going to refine some stuff? We don't, we don't know. We certainly know that the progression of John Jones went from, you know, the wild man with all the confidence in the world, willing to try mad crazy submissions mad spinning kicks mad takedowns all of this sort of stuff in the in the early run to the title but since then he became more of a point fighter right more of a cerebral one or two three four shot combo fighter long rangy on the outside trips and flicks on the inside and i think the thing that i enjoy the most about john jones is technical attributes is he knows exactly who he is as a fighter. He knows how his body works. You watch the jab, you watch the straight shots, you watch the the um, the oblique kicks, you watch the way that he sets up the, the left high kick on Daniel Cormier. The, you watch the way that he fights. He knows exactly who he is. Against Gustafsson, the in-transition takedowns. Against um, Ovin St. Pru, although it wasn't the performance we're used to with John Jones. Look at the way that he implemented angles in that fight. Look at the way that he was able to stand in the pocket and not get touched anywhere near as much as you'd expect somebody who just was willingly able to stand in the pocket when he was. I think the thing that John Jones has in spades, aside from being an ultra athlete, we know about his brothers and and we know what sort of athletes they are, is his cerebral capacity to fight. Now, how do I how do I explain that? I explain that in a way that Outside the cage, he knows. You know, he knows what a jab looks like. He knows what a right hand looks like. He knows what a takedown looks like. But it's it's his ability to implement those things in the chaos and at the right times. That I think is my favorite thing about John Jones's technical skill set. That's a very interesting thing because you know I actually hadn't thought about it the way you said it there about you know he was more of a wild fighter earlier on in his career you know throwing those spinning back elbows and, and wilder stuff and you know he will still incorporate a little bit of that I'm sure and has in recent fights but definitely not as much and you know I've always thought that John Jones has become a better fighter throughout his career but that means a more tactical fighter I suppose I I honestly think he you said he was kind of a natural wild man in you know inside and outside of the cage. I think he is absolutely to a certain point. I think you would probably agree to a certain point as well. But I also think he's kind of a natural tactician, if that makes sense. Like to me, if if you know you you said you'd want to get into the greatest of all time debate, and I don't either. 
But to me, I don't think there's any debate who's the smartest MMA fighter to ever live. And I think that is John Jones. I really do. I think his game planning, his ability, you know, people say with Greg Jackson and everything. And we will get to the camp debate later on because I think that's a fascinating, fascinating talking point as he goes into his next fight. If he does go into his next fight, we will see. But I think that has really been a thing. And, uh, you know, the adjustment from a wild, cerebral fighter, to use your turn of phrase, with a great tactical nous, to a fighter now who maybe isn't as wild, maybe isn't as cerebral in terms of, you know, go out to... to you know, the, the example I always use is Rory McDonald versus BJ Penn. He's gone out there to devastate this guy. John Jones was partly that but also devastate you in your kind of game plan. I think now he's very much a set game plan type of fighter. And to be honest, I don't know if that is a good thing. Now, we've analyzed where he has been, what he's come to, and how good he is. But I wonder, in modern mixed martial arts, if that is as effective. You know, we've spoken about it on other podcasts, and I've spoken about it before. How I, and I, I don't know, maybe people won't agree with me, but I think MMA is reaching a stage where... The level of ability is so good that the tough, hard bastards, for the want of a better word, are going to actually take the sport at the very top level, if everything else is even. And I would put power into that as well. I don't think, like, not to say John Jones is not tough. He's one of, you know, very, very tough. But he's not, you know, he's not Darren Elkins sort of tough. He, you know, that, that sort of thing. And I don't think he has that massive power either. Now, we will talk about heavyweight in a second. But I wonder, is that guy, and it's it's a funny thing to say about John Jones, about is he is he almost too good? <laughs> no. Like, sometimes, I always, that phrase, paralysis by analysis, and it's usually talking about your op- opponent, you know? And you get kind of paralyzed thinking about them and you do not in yourself. I wonder, has John Jones actually taught too much about himself? And it's kind of brought his game to a point where he needs a bit of a change. And maybe the heavyweight is that change, but haven't watched those last two fights, Harry, the Chago Santos and the Dominic Reyes fight. Two lads who haven't gone on to do great things since, let's be honest here. Um, two good top 10, top 7 or 8 fighters in the division. But you would expect John Jones to kind of run and throw through those guys. Why, what do you think is the reason why he didn't? And do you think that's kind of a fundamental worsening of his game, maybe? So the honest answer is I don't know. Now, we don't know. We just don't know where John Jones is, right? I think there's a large point here, so bear with me. But I think John Jones spent a lot of his career lying, right? Playing a character, playing the uh, come to Jesus, I'm this wonderful, whatever human. When actually, I think we're all pretty confident that there's at least uh, a large percentage of John Jones that isn't that. There is a, a man that's been embroiled in in case after case after case after case with the law. And whether that's just a certain failing of his surroundings or his childhood or whatever, you know, the, the come to Jesus thing, the, you know, saintly perfect person is a fallacy. Now, we also have said, and I've heard you say this before, that in the cage, John Jones is a bully. Right. And that's what makes him so prominent and and so dominant in his fights is he doesn't allow people to come in and start their game. We've seen so many times in his run to the title, he'll come in and he'll fight 
somebody else's fight. Wherever they're strongest, he's going to take you there and win. He's a bully. Now, what do we know about bullies? We know bullies are often narcissistic. We know that they're off, often egotistical. I think there's a really interesting question to be answered about where John Jones is and who John Jones is for himself in these next couple of fights. Is it just that he's missed the step now at light heavyweight? He's not as quick as he once was. People have seen so much tape of him that they kind of know what game he's bringing and they know that by the judging criteria, if you land power over a guy that doesn't have a massive amount of power, you're going to win on the judges' scorecards. Does that then make John Jones more tentative, less tentative? And this, I think, has... The why the move to heavyweight has so much jeopardy and so much intrigue for me personally, because you don't find volume fighters like John Jones at heavyweight. The closest you're going to find is somebody like Sihil Gagne, right? And again, he's a very different type of fighter to John Jones. But you are going to find guys like Francis Ngannou or Derek Lewis who may throw six punches around. But if one of them lands, you're staring up at the lights, getting transported to hospital in the next 15 minutes. So I think... The question for me is, is he moving to heavyweight for money? Is he moving to heavyweight because he knows his ego can't stand to stay at light heavyweight and lose against fighters that, let's be honest, aren't amazing, but are quicker and can hit just as hard if you know as some of the heavyweights or is he moving to heavyweight because he knows that the fighters are slower he knows that the gas tanks are worse he knows that his ability to implement his game albeit a, a hit and not get hit game plan will work for him in a better way. I don't know. We're going to find out. It's a very interesting one because as, as you were saying there about, you know, comparing him to other fighters in that division, look, the, I think it's funny. Uh, the two that stand out to me are Gagne, as you mentioned there, but a very, as you said as well, a very different type of fighter. John Jones is not light on his feet on the outside. You know, he is more, to, to, to borrow a phrase from Conor McGregor, stuck in the mud, although with beautiful yeah. footwork, footwork and beautiful, beautiful movement. Beautiful. Not, you know, not, you know, you'd compare uh, Ganya to someone like a Wander Boy or so, or you know, you know, whatever. I actually think, and this might be a weird comparison, but it's only because he fought last week, and it's only because I said it about him. Andre Arlovsky, I think, is a little bit of a comparison to John Jones in terms of how he fights at heavyweight. Because I made the point, and I actually Jeez, that's fucking ruthless. That is <laughs> Jesus Christ. No, but it's it's a compliment to to both guys, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I actually now I've said this point a couple of times, and I'm actually waiting for someone to tell me why I'm wrong. To be honest, because I'm open to being wrong about this, but I think Andre Arlov. Arl Andrew Arlovsky has had such long-term success at the heavyweight division of mixed martial arts because he is a better athlete than almost everyone. Like, who else in that division, if you think about it, can kind of jab on the outside, can move their head quick enough to not get knocked out in six fights in a row, can stay safe enough? Now, athleticism with ability, with uh, technical ability with tactical ability has brought Andrei Arlovsky to a fantastic middle of the road heavyweight career in the last six or seven years. He had a, you know, a top of the lane heavyweight career 25 years ago, whenever it was, or 17 years ago, whenever it might be. But that, so the point there is, I'm not saying John Jones on the, uh, the verge or the, the same level of as Andrew Lewski. I'm saying that that sort of fighter that you would expect John Jones to be in the heavyweight division can have success up until a certain point. Like Andrew Lewski, if you put him in there against Inganu, that athleticism is not going to work. 
against Gagne, it's not going to work. Even against Derek Lewis, it's probably not going to work. Against Stipe, it's not going to work because those guys are more athletic. So the the thing about John Jones is what is going to, to separate him from them at the very, very top? Now, if you look at it, right, and you said, imagine if it was a, like a better version of Arlovsky. Could he do it against him? A younger, you know, f- even faster, even more athletic version than him. Maybe what jo- John Jones might be. Like, can John Jones do to heavyweights what he did to light heavyweights? And you, you used the word speed there earlier on. And speed is one of the most important factors in mixed martial arts. So is power. Like, it feels like it's going to be one of those that wins and that's to me why this move to heavyweight is the most intriguing thing we have in mixed martial arts season. I'll throw it over to you and you can talk about heavyweight in a second you talk about maybe what uh, the move to heavyweight will mean to John Jones but it feels like right uh, and a lot of people I know some people listening to this will have only seen one or two John Jones fights because he's only fought one or two times or maybe three or four times in the last five or six years and a lot of people came into the sport during the pandemic and with McGregor and things like that so you mightn't realise how good John Jones is and what he is but trust me to say it John Jones is one of if not the best technical fighters in the history of the sport one of if the not the, not the best tactical fighters in the history of the sport and you're putting him into a division with uh, Francis Ngano, one of, if not the hardest puncher in the history of the sport. Stipe Miocic, if not the best heavyweight of all time, very, very close to it. And other people as well, like Cyril Gagne, to me, one of the, the best fighters in the history of the world that we've ever seen. And I don't care what happened in the, the Francis fight, he will be back and he's brilliant. I'd love to see that matchup. Uh, and I'm like, the, so the key there, and my, my point there is to see John Jones against a power puncher like um, Francis Ngannou, to an all-time great like Stipe Miocic, to someone who can match John Jones' size and athleticism in the way that Cyril Gagne fights, to match that against John Jones, we've never seen anything like that before at light heavyweight, and that's the key. That's why I will, I am dying to see this. You know, on the last podcast we did, we talked about John Jones outside of the cage, and if you don't want to see John Jones because if he's outside of the cage, he's personal stuff, I have no problem with you, but if you don't want to see him inside of the cage, if you're just thinking about that, it's, it's a crazy one. Talk to me, Harry, about the heavyweight move, because we've seen guys move you know, division to division. And at the lighter weights, I think it's a little bit different because it is, you know, adding on maybe a small little bit of muscle or taking away a bit or just dropping that extra bit of, you know, comfort weight maybe that you have there. To go from John Jones, who was probably like 225 at light heavyweight and cutting down to 205, to then go up and be a muscular, healthy 240, to, you know, 45 maybe, that... That is a lot, because it's not only putting on, you know, you could say, oh, he's putting on 20 pounds. It's putting on, it's like putting on 35, 40 pounds, I think, there for John Jones. And we, I saw, uh, we spoke about on the last, or on one of the podcasts recently, about uh, there's no pictures running. I saw a picture of John Jones, and I don't know, he doesn't look that muscular. I don't know if you saw that picture or not. How do you think that heavyweight move will benefit John Jones? You know, you mentioned the word speed earlier on. You mentioned the word power. We look at Cormier when he went up. It seemed like he had more power. Will Okay, two questions. Will Jones have more power? Will he have less speed, though? The answer is probably yes to both. I think one of the most impressive things about Jones, it was his speed, but it was also his timing, right? Now, Conor McGregor will tell you that speed matters not when you have timing. Um, But the... 
everything you said about Jones being one of the most technical and one of the most tactical fighters is exactly why everyone loved him. Because it wasn't just raw athleticism and it wasn't just raw ability that meant that he could go in and dominate guys in the realm that they were strongest. It was because he was able to make such intelligent reads and he was able to keep himself safe whilst landing crazy amounts of volume and damage on the other person, whether that be from a a grappling perspective or, or a striking perspective. Does he lose speed at heavyweight? Almost certainly, right? We have seen uh, a number of guys go up and say, I wasn't used to the weight class, more in boxing than in MMA, but I wasn't used to the weight class. I blew my gas tank. I didn't have, you know, Connor in the first Diaz fight, right? He said, I just, I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for 170. I wasn't ready for this extra weight. I wasn't ready to move around this vehicle like I was a 145 or a 155 pounder. And that's a very real thing. But Connor did that in a matter of months and Jones is doing that in a matter of years. So you'd expect him, you'd expect him to be far more comfortable at the weight. Now, in terms of him looking big, frankly, I don't I think John Jones is deceptive because I've never seen him in real life. But you look at him, I have seen Alexander Gustafson in real life, right? And that man is a fucking giant. And then you look at him again next to John Jones and you realize that John Jones and Gustafson are kind of the same build. But then you look at John Jones at whatever he is now, 240, 250, whatever he is, and he doesn't look any different. But I can almost guarantee if you saw him in real life, he'd look like a fucking giant. Now, does he hit harder? Yeah, inevitably he must be hitting harder, right? He's going to be squatting a lot. He's going to be deadlifting a lot. He's going to be pressing a lot. Without a doubt, the power generation in those muscles is going to be far greater than what it was at light heavyweight. Is it going to mean that he could put someone dead with one shot like a Francis Ngannou? I doubt it. The thing that Jones used to do so brilliantly is fire his shots accurately if you want to see one of the cleanest left hooks of uh, left left high kicks of all time it's not Crocop. go and have a look at john jones on daniel cormier the way he sets it up and then eventually lands it is phenomenal it's beautiful and it's right on the button so the biggest question to me in this move to heavyweight is can he implement the game plan he has against more dangerous strikers at heavyweight, what I mean by more dangerous is from a power perspective. At light heavyweight, guys like Reyes, who were a great athlete, but good boxing, but didn't offer massive one-hitter-quitter power, they managed to get to him, right? They had the speed, they had the athleticism, they had the footwork. Of the guys you've mentioned at heavyweight, and I guess this is kind of why it's intriguing to me as well, and I'll ask you this question, is like, who do you think they give John Jones? Is it Stipe? Is it somebody else because you're going to throw him in against the elite of the elite immediately because he's John Jones. And we're going to find out very, very quickly if a good athlete like Stipe, who's able to hit hard and is able to wrestle and is able to transition well, is is going to be able to be too much for the John Jones style, or are we going to see a completely yeah. revolutionary John Jones? I just don't know. It, it's an interesting one. That, that was kind of the point I was going to bring it to. So because I remember speaking about this you know, a year and a half ago, maybe when Jones was talking about going to heavyweight and they were saying, oh, you're not getting an immediate title shot, you know, all this. And I was saying, like, I would love to see him fight Derek Lewis, you know, get a feel for the heavyweight division, get a feel for someone who's 265 pounds soaking wet after the win and probably 280 pounds 
on fight night. Get a feel for how he can manage someone like that with someone who's not going to bring, you know, um, too tough of a challenge for him. I wouldn't think for John Jones, and that's nothing against Derek Lewis. That's how good John Jones is. And Absolutely. Let, you know, let's see how that goes. But as you said there, you know, he's John Jones, so he's probably going to go into a title fighter, uh, an interim title fighter, whatever it might be. Um, I I just wonder, like, I, I've always thought down through the years that Stipe and John Jones would be a great fight, and Stipe would want to be one of the only guys who can challenge him. You know, I never thought there was anyone uh, at light heavyweight, really, apart from Gustafson from the first fight, and then we saw the second fight, it wasn't much of a challenge. I never thought Carmia had the... Uh, the ability to uh, to trouble John Jones in in many ways, to be honest. Although he did a little bit at the start of the second fight, but I always thought John Jones is uh, at his apex. The issues were going to be at heavyweight. Now, there's another debate, and maybe it's one for another podcast. Is John Jones still at the top of his game in terms of like he's been around for a long time, but also he's been inactive multiple times for long times, and I don't think that helps someone either. But on your point there about um, the uh, the matchup. It feels like Stipe would have been a good one. Now, Stipe wants to kind of put it back to September or something like that. I, I, honestly, and this is maybe the reason why I, I kind of suggested doing this podcast today. I think John Jones needs to move on from that, honestly. And I think the UFC need to move on from it. Now, the UFC have been very good at moving on from fights recently and just getting another fight going, right? Um Look at when Francie said, I, I want to fight in August instead of June or whatever it was. And then they were like, right, Grant, let's make an interim fight. And Ganya fought whoever Ganya fought and had an interim belt. If Stipe says he doesn't want to fight and John Jones does, let's make John Jones versus Ganya. Let's make John Jones versus two of us. And I know those lads have been made in other fights, but I'm talking about a week ago or whenever this kind of news came out. John Jones has been away for long enough and I think he needs to be in there and he needs to be fighting. Whoever the matchup is, I, I think... If you take out Ganya, if you take out Inganu, I actually don't really think the matchup matters that much. I think Stipe is the best of those uh, potential matchups. But if he went in there against Lewis, against Tuivasa, against anyone else in that division, just top ranked to get a fight, to get an interim title fight, to set up the possible Francis fight, I think that would make a lot of sense because we'd see John Jones uh, at that weight and we'd see where he would go. Now, having said that, that's because it's seemingly the Francis option is off the table. If the Francis option was on the table, I would go for John Jones versus Francis straight away because I think the the boat has sailed on the Derek Lewis kind of warm up fight to get the heavyweight. I think that is just that was a, an option for a year and a half ago, uh, and I think if you're putting him in a, a fight now, it has to be a title fight or it has to be an interim title fight. And look, the Francis title fight would be the way to go, but that doesn't look like it is. Just and I'll get your thoughts on that in a second, but one or two last points here before we, we close it up. What, what do you think? And, and this is talking about um, how he might face against someone like a, a seabed heavyweight or whoever he faces at heavyweight. Um, and John Jones having a point to prove because I, I felt like, and we, we spoke about it at the start of this podcast, himself and Greg Jackson and that Jim have created this fighter to be, uh, you know, you you use the word cerebral, technical, tactically brilliant fighter. Now he's left that gym and he's training, you know, with Henry Cejudo and all of those guys. And t- so the two points there, I wonder, and I'll throw it at you. How do you think that change will affect him in terms of 
his technical and tactical ability, training with a different gym, and I admit you probably know more about that gym than I do. I, that's not the sort of thing I pay too much attention to. But also, how much do you think John Jones will want to prove a point that these guys who threw me out, I want to prove that it was never them the whole time, it was me the whole time. And you know what? Even if I come out and have a better performance, if I'm blowing the guys away and knocking guys out at heavyweight, it'll prove that they were holding me back a bit. Yeah, so that's definitely a wrinkle that I'm very interested in. I'm kind of in the same boat as you that I don't look too much at at gyms, but what we it's it's undeniable to say that there's something happening down there with what Henry Cejudo has going on. A number of fighters have actively sought him out and have come out and had some good results, right? The Rose and Whaley second fight was very close. Uh, Figueredo and Moreno, the latest fight was very, very close. And it seems as though he definitely has a way of articulating points with Eric Albaracin and, and molding or adding things to a fighter. A little bit like Jason Perillo does, right? You don't go necessarily to Jason Perillo as an absolute amateur nobody and he turns you into a world champion. But what he can do is take somebody either at the apex of their career like a cyborg or a, or a Bisping that's sort of coming down the other end and add stuff onto their game to keep their longevity up and, and whatever. And it seems like Henry Cejudo's doing that a little bit. Obviously, he's an un, un, unbelievable grappler and he's added the striking on in, in that realm. But in answer to the question, I think you're absolutely right that John Jones will feel like he has something to prove because we know that John Jones is a guy with a massive ego. I also wonder whether there's a wrinkle here about because of the lack of activity and because of the amount of fans that the UFC uh, garnered during the lockdown because there was no other sport, I wonder whether in John Jones's head he feels like nobody actually knows who I am anymore. So true. I thought... I fought Thiago Santos on no legs, essentially, right? And I fought... Uh, ah, you said it Dominic earlier. Reyes. I forgot it was. Thank you, Dominic Reyes. I even mentioned it earlier. Useless. I fought Dominic Reyes. So both of those were close enough fights. They didn't do massive pay-per-view numbers. So does anyone actually really care? That's, that's my question. And I think... I wonder whether John Jones feels the same. Now, like... I think he definitely does. In terms of... Like John, right, right. If you look at John Jones's character... I yes. think I, I think it's hard to deny that because he is someone who undoubtedly cares. Like he is, I don't think he's the most self confident in terms of being happy no, with that's himself. The bully thing, right? yeah, yeah, exactly that. So yeah. do you think that'll be a factor as well? A hundred percent, I do. Like, and this, I wonder whether the the price negotiation here was a way for him to try and stall the UFC. Now, this is me putting my Eddie Bravo tinfoil hat on, right? So bear with me. But like, if John Jones, I think, needs to answer the question for himself, right? Because in Henry Cejudo's uh, training camp, how many elite-level heavyweights are there? I don't think there are any, right? Are there some good bodies that he can bring in? Yeah, of course, it's John Jones. He's got bags of money. He can fly fly lads in, no problem. But how are you going to replicate Cyril Gann? How are you going to replicate... Uh, Francis Ngannou. How are you going to replicate Stipe Miocic in a lot of ways, right? Like, the way that Stipe does things is very... It's it's very basic, and that's not disrespectful at all. That's actually a compliment. But it's hard to replicate the level at which he does it. Um, and I think if I it, my read on it is John Jones wanted the warm up fight, right? He wanted to say to the UFC, "I want ten million to fight Francis Ngannou," and they're like, "No fucking way! We'll give you Derek Lewis." 
And he's like, okay, I'll take that. And if he loses to Derek Lewis, then he doesn't have to go and fight to a Francis Agano or a Cyril Gann or whatever. Like, the fight I would have liked to have seen, at least at this, uh, I know that he's supposedly now booked or whatever, but let's see him against Tom Aspinall. Let's see that. Oh, poor old, poor old Tom Aspinall. I don't know. Is that the, but the best but is it though? Yeah, like, like, let's just look, like we've got all these questions about where John Jones is. Mm-hmm. Is he going to be slower? Is he going to hit us? Is he going to hit harder? Is his grappling going to still stand up? What about the gas tank? What about the, is he going to move his feet as much? He's carrying all this extra weight. Does the, does the footwork still hold up? Is he, but you look at Tom Aspinall, who's a natural heavyweight, moves very, very agile for a big man, hits hard, has some good fight IQ and can grapple. That's an interesting test for me for John Jones. Definitely. And if he goes and wins, like to us as the hardcores, that's an insanely huge win. Yeah. It's, That's a fight. It, it's a good fight. It's a good fight. I, I don't know. It's a, a little bit unfair on Tom Aspinall, but I would look. I, I, I would watch that fight. I, I, look, I, I think there's... Uh, and just, just one final point here. On your point about, you know, John Jones, the money kind of holding him back from making that move or whatever, I actually think... Uh, the moving gym and him wanting to prove that point has actually taken the money question out of it a little bit because I haven't heard about John Jones being given the 10 million or the 15 million that he wants to fight for everything. He was just going to fight against Stipe. He was just going to fight against Frenzies. And why is that? What has changed? The only thing that has changed in that is the move to gym and, uh, and the point to prove. But look, we could talk about this for five hours. And, you know, we've done two podcasts on it now. Let's let's park another one for maybe next Christmas and we'll talk about it again. Hopefully- Can I throw one thing in, though? Go on. Can I throw go one on. thing in? Yes, indeed. The, the one thing I will say. Now, in, in, in very recent terms, Dana has not shot himself at a great light with this whole boxing is overpaid thing. But you know, one thing that Dana does do well mm-hmm. is he has a great relationship. And what I mean by a great relationship is he knows how the top fighters work. If he whispers in John Jones's ear a little bit to be like, we're not going to give you Telmill because nobody knows who you are anymore. Does that mm-hmm. light a fire under John Jones's yeah. belly? Like, where are we here? Does Dana have a little whisper in the ear? Like, yeah. Who was who was the fighter? Was it GSP that said it, they needed to reintroduce to the public? Was it GSP? That's the most ridiculous thing of all time, man. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, hilarious. It, it, uh, it, was it GSP? Uh, Jesus, uh, it was someone. Yeah, I think it was. But uh, yeah, to, uh, honestly, I think so. it could have been something like that to John Jones. Because like, as we said it before, I think mentally John Jones is like extremely strong inside the cage. But outside the cage and just thinking about like himself, I just don't think. I think that's his biggest flaw, honestly. I think. And look, that's been a massive flaw for some of the greats in sport down through the years. You know, uh, uh, Snooker, example, you know, Hurricane Higgins. Probably no one in America yeah. listening will, will know about that. But, you know, George Best, Mike Tyson. Be Mike Tyson, yeah. It's. It's always, and it's why some of those characters are fascinating, you know, in bad ways too, like Dyson and like Jones. Uh, but it's, you know, America loves a comeback story. And if John Jones came back and he went and won the, the World Heavyweight Championship, what a comeback story that would be. But look, we have that to look forward to over the next couple of months. Harry, I really appreciate it. Follow him over on Twitter at BJJ underscore Harry Powell. Is that correct? Did I get it right? That is absolutely bang on. Yeah, well done. Check out uh, the one-man boot and check out Har- all of Harry's great stuff over on the severeandme.com and over on the Patreon uh, as well. A great man. And uh, one of the best voices, one of the best technical an- analysis, analysts analysts in the sport, the Welsh Dan Hardy. I've, I've started to call him now. So uh, <laughs> thank check you him very out. Much. Thank and you. Uh, thank you all for listening and watching. 
hit the thumbs up button, hit the subscribe button. My name is Sean Sheehan for Shardog.com, and I'll see you all next time.